What were, you, what were we talking about? Well, I finished my spiel and then it was turning mm-hmm. to Sam. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's when it said finished. Mm-hmm. It was like pretty much as you asked me. Okay. So we can just get there. What was it? What okay. was I asking? Welcome to the sixth season of View From 202, episode 172, a New York Red Bulls fan podcast, um, hosted by me, Britt, joined by, as ever, by the usual crew of uh, Peaches, Sam, and Cork. And, you know, someone mentioned the other week that we haven't tied names to or, or names to voices in a long time. So now is probably a good opportunity on the eve of the 2021 season to uh, just uh, check in and, and, and go name by name. But uh, Peaches, how are you doing in this, uh, this April? Of, I'm, uh, uh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay in this April. Um, I'm not Sam. Uh, which yeah, I think a lot Sam. of people confuse me for. Um, we'll have to probably well, we're going to have to do this when we start recording in person again. Um, I think all of our voices will sound different once we're back on the the studio mics. You know, that might we also be won't soon. recognize each other's faces. That's too, true. So. Although we are using the cameras today, um, we'll see how long this lasts. Yeah, today, we we, <clears throat> we did a picture like way back. This has been one of the first episodes. We had like a little photo that was all of us true. recording. Wow. I think we also had like uh, our friend Sam Edelman. Uh, yes, that is the picture on our website. If you go and to the About Us page, he's, he's just in there. Yeah, that's back we when we had him with Cork. Now, yeah, that's true. We should just Photoshop Cork's face on the future. That's uh, that's back when we had the premise that like we were going to interview like you know randos or like casual people about the Red Bulls every week. That lasted exactly one week. Um, but yeah, Peaches, you're also the producer of this, uh, of this podcast. And, um, is, is the, well, for the little, for the intro music that plays is, um, is the thing that says like, here's Alex. Is that, is that like your, your, it's my your producer tag. tag. Yeah. That's my tag. Your producer tag. That's your, everyone knows that is that's only as good as the producer's tag. Listen you know? to this track, Peach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> The um, <laughs> is that like a clip of I'm gonna clip like Alex from Chelsea scoring or something? It is. It is. It was a Champions League game, I think. Um, and uh, he was um, he scored a free kick goal, and the announcer was just said like, "And it's Alex." And then I just clipped that part, and I added some reverb onto it, and then it's my tag now. All right, I was wondering. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I assumed it was him. Um, Sam, how are you doing? Oh wait! Shout out to Juan Juan Escalante. For you just did the worst thing possible for possibly confusing people know, about know, his know, voice. <laughs> this is, is still his. Alex. Uh, this is still Peaches. Um, but Juan Alex. Escalante, uh, shout out because he helped me find that clip for oh, my tag. Nice. But this is Sam. The no, okay, no, no. You can't say that. <laughs> you're the, you're, you... Peaches, be quiet. Sam, how's it? What's up? <laughs> uh, uh, you know, uh, not much. Uh, I'm 28. Um, uh, my roommate said I'm old as sin now. Um, so, wow. you know, that feels good. It's true. Um, I mean, it's true. Yeah. Well, I mean, Peaches, you wouldn't know. I don't think. I don't. Yeah, you're, you're still 27. 
That's why you're but, old. That's how I know you're old. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm. I'm partially vaccinated. Um, you know, which is good. Um, and I don't know. If, I feel like if we're doing like a little recap, um, I feel like everyone should know that I'm the least dateable. Um, uh, some might say unda- undateable uh, amongst uh, the Red Bull. Um, Officially, baseball. so. Yeah, that is yeah, by Time Out New York. That is one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize for reading that thing aloud, but I, 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 it was just, you know, I feel bad for our country, but it was tremendous content. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank, was, you, thank you for it, your service. It, it, yeah. I, mean, I, I had to do it. I, you know, I had to the, do it. Um, I think the Wandy kind of becoming a recurring character in the continuity of our lives eventually was kind of funny too. Yeah. No, it was, it was worth it. <laughs> I also yeah. just like the fact that when so like the it was Time Out New York's recurring segment of like two people going on on two New Yorkers going on dates or whatever and they did one specifically for the Derby and solicited fans and like uh both Peaches and Sam were single at the time and, and put their head in and then a couple of other friends that we had put their names in. Cork wasn't on the podcast yet. And I think just beforehand we were like I feel like we we're like we Sam Sam's gonna get his number pulled. We can tell. We can just tell it's gonna happen, and it happened. And it was everything. Maybe not everything Sam dreamed of. It's everything I dreamed of. It was incredible. But um, I think you came it was, out. It was good. Much it, was, it was good content. Yeah. I w- I was trying to be a good sport. I mean, I don't know. It was one of those things when I got there, and I was like, "Well, this is what it is." Um, Imagine if but... if that game had been the seven no game instead of like. Oh my god! Wait, that, that game was so also funny. like that was like the was beginning like a of one game or something. That was the first Armist game. That was the first Armist game. That oh game sucked. Uh, oh, it was no. really funny because like my you could tell like when in, in discussing how the date went. Like, I feel like I was trying to be a good sport in the beginning because it was like, you know, whatever. And the game was fine. But then as soon as the, as soon as NYCFC scored, I just kind of stopped talking. And I think mm-hmm. it was like noted at, at like around the 80th minute, started to get a little quiet because mm-hmm. <laughs> the Red Bulls were losing. Um, so it just nosedived. Right but you had to sit in the uh, legend section, which made it all worth it. That's true. Yeah, I got, I got food, free food. Um, and I don't know, I guess drinks too. And a free Uber ride is, you know, it's exactly wow. what you expect from like the Yankee Stadium and YCFC <laughs> partnership. A more consequential event than I even realized at first. But thank you for your service. Um, <laughs> Pages, if we can add in like some taps here, that would be great. Um, Cork, how are you doing? I am doing all right. I am Cork. As uh, as Britt put it, um, I ben also Cork. serve. I also serve as the legitimate face of 202. I run our front company, um, onceametro.com, um, kind of our our Jenko olive oil company, so to speak. And uh, right, and uh, you know, uh, just get a little bit from Vox to wet our beak and uh, be able to operate with impunity. And, uh, you know, I just like what I do, you know, greasing those skids and just making sure, you know, we can keep on uh, having fun for you folks out there Yeah, in radio land. Speaking of Vox, you know, now that 
that Matt Iglesias has finally left, uh, you know, Vox Media uh, Incorporated Global. Thank God we can take we can take the gloves off. No longer palling around with our uh, our colleagues. But uh, Ezra Klein, though, of course, we still have our gag order about him, um, and and all of. And we're we're going to have him on as a guest to discuss the uh, I don't know San Jose earthquakes or wherever. Yeah, no, but the 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 healthcare plans of the San Jose earthquakes and how it relates with uh, corporate sponsorship of the stadium name. Clearly, Um, that's the lane we occupy on this podcast. Um, So this is this is the preseason episode that we've been promising. Wait, that's actually a thing, though, right? The the healthcare thing. Was that part of the CBA? No, but that's like a, a whole like the Avaya thing's like a, a real thing though going on, right? Just just save it they for the Ezra Avaya. episode. Yeah, say yeah, yeah. Yeah, save it for Ezra. It's okay. yeah, em- I mean, embargoed, embargoed content. Ask Ezra. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is uh this is the preseason episode we've been talking about in the last couple episodes. Um now that soccer has returned, sort of, you know, in the extent that anything is returned. At this stage of the pandemic, we hope to be more or less weekly again. Um, Red Bulls are going to be playing more or less weekly, sometimes two times a week this season. And we hopefully should be podcasting at a similar rate. So before the season kicks off, we're going to put down a couple of our expectations, predictions, that sort of thing. One big difference from this year to last year or previous years is that uh, there's not really any point in uh, pulling out our predictions from last year and laughing at them. I love laughing at ourselves and and how wrong certain things were. Last season was particularly good for that because this time last year we were, we were, well, I guess no, really it was the 2019 preseason episode where we were really eating crow, where we were like, oh, we're going to finish first, we're going to win CCL, we're going to win the World Cup. And that did not happen. Um, but, you know, looking back at last year would not even work because last year's season basically didn't happen. So with that said, we can just look forward to a new start, a new start after COVID, hopefully get your vaccinations and a new start for the New York Red Bulls under Kevin Thelwell and Gerhard Struber, a totally new regime. Um, basically, you know, don't. Yes, they joined partially last year, but the freshest start, the most unexpected clean slate, I think, start in the franchise since 2015, um, really, to, to be sure. But before we get to our preseason, there have been a couple of tidbits of news we should cover that I think will help us on the way. The first is we got some more transfer news. Last we spoke, last episode, we were talking about uh, Cameron Harper. We we're talking about Fabio. But since then, there's two other moves that at the time of recording on Sunday are Sounds like almost pretty much confirmed, and it's just sort of sorting the paperwork. The first one of these is sort of sudden, dropped on Friday, Frankie Amaya, the um, second, third year, second year player. Third. Um, this will be third year. This will yeah. be third. From FC Cincinnati, former number one draft pick. Um, some uh, rumors of being wanting to leave FC Cincinnati before, and... Lo and behold, word on the street from Pat Brennan, not Pat Brenjamin, Pat <laughs> Brennan, who's the FC Cincinnati beat writer, is that the New York Red Bulls have sent over a bucket of allocation money with incentives to acquire the 20-year-old uh, midfielder 
uh, from FC Cincinnati and add him to our roster. Um, can you tell us where he plays on the field and maybe what we can expect if, if this goes through? Um, yeah, I think I said yesterday when I was talking about the friendly game that we had yesterday that we might get to uh, that um, Amaya might be shadowing kind of the roles that Sean Davis plays, I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, uh, I'm thinking, and again, this is something we might get to later in the show, talking about Struber's formation, but I'm thinking that the deepest, from what we've seen so far, the deepest midfielder in Struber's formation is probably going to be more of a a ball circulator and a kind of passer than uh, kind of hunt and destroy sort of, you know, auxiliary center back sort of um deep six. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think, um, from Amaya came out of college kind of as a number 10, he was, uh, you know, kind of a, seen as a creative midfielder. So kind of an attacker at UCLA. And you see some of that in his tape with Cincinnati too, that he's sort of penetrating up the field and, um, beating guys on the dribble, you know, around the box. But then, um, he has shifted into being more of a linking player kind of deeper down the field, um, as a pro. And then the other big thing, and this kind of speaks to why the Red Bulls might've been interested in him is that he has, you know, pretty standout passing metrics or not Mm. uh, passing, but pressing metrics, Mm. um, as far as recovering the ball, making tackles, um, you know, he, you know, whatever measurements you want to use for those, um, he's generally near the top of them in MLS for midfielders. So, um, you know, kind of, uh, it's going to be a big move. It's going to be reportedly around, you know, a million in allocation money, which is kind of the, the ceiling as far as allocation transfers in MLS so far. But, um, you know, looks like a, you know, pretty quality player who, um, you know, Cincinnati's obviously brought in, you know, like Lucho Acosta and, um, you know, a few other kind of, um, foreign midfield players who are going to be taking a spot from him. But I'm, you know, I, I, you know, said, you know, yesterday watching some tape on him that just like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they're so eager to get rid of this guy because as a domestic player, as a 20 year old guy, um, you know, who's probably not on a huge contract just yet. Um, pretty, pretty quality player for the league. So would be a pretty exciting move to see happen. Yeah. So we're, we're just straight up buying his existing contract. We're not, not, Resigning him or anything? No, yeah, I mean we're we're just buying his MLS contract, MLS All rights, right. and he'll just you know be on. It'll be yeah about. I guess they said a million in allocation, but I guess uh, some of it's going to be incentive based. So yeah. we'll one thing I remembered a couple hours after it broke is that probably half of that money is the 400k with incentives, yeah, or, or after incentives that we got from NYCFC uh, for Chris Gloucester. Um, which I think kind of puts my uh, take on this in perspective. And well, it reminds me of something you said earlier in the week, either, either in your post on once Metro or in passing um, that while like the Red Bulls and, and, and Fellwell are doing more MLS moves probably than anticipated, especially with Cincinnati, both Amaya and Gutman have links there that you get the sense very, clearly that that they're not just whatever is available um it's not it's not marcus epps it's not um whatever like we we kind of went through a it's lot of passing for both the of them. Draft, yeah 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 um and then i think like gloucester is kind of like the inverse of that we talked about it last episode kind of in in you know the view of like him being kind of a heel which a lot of fun i think true but like yeah you get the sense that 
with Gloucester, it was like, we probably could have signed him if we wanted to, but like we kicked the tires around and, and decided to get money for him. And, and, um, seems like a level of deliberation there ongoing with a guy like Amaya, uh, mm. rather than, um, something that something like Gloucester that would be probably easier on paper since we already had his rights. So I like it. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, Gloucester is Gloucester is the kind of move that, um, you know, I guess is sort of intuitive and the move you would expect a team to make. And not, not that you're supposed to like, not that you're supposed to arrange your technical strategy on like keeping people guessing and doing like the wonkiest shit, like not at all. But, uh, um, but yeah, like you're saying, Brett, that there's there's definitely a deliberation and just a realization that like just because we can do this doesn't mean we have to. And there could be like more advantageous ways to use this mm-hmm. like they did with Foster. So, yeah, I think all that's all that's true. And all that, um, I don't know, is, you know, speaks to, you know, uh, obviously we have to wait for the games to be played, but, you know, gives you a lot of faith and the methodology being used by the, you know, the new regime in charge. So, yeah. I so was going to say, any, uh, no, go ahead, go ahead, um, well, I was going to say, do you uh, have any goss on um, the the tampering situation? Any leaks? Yeah, on bring bring us up to speed on. Oh uh, well, I mean, right before it was actually like a day before uh, it get get turned out that you know all all the all the smoke came out that we were like pretty much on the doorstep of signing him. Like a couple days before that. There was a report from um, Paul Tenorio and Sam Stezko from M- or the Athletic that um, that Cincinnati was going to bring up the Red Bulls and Philadelphia um, to you know coincidentally a Red Bull kind of styled team um, for, tam- for yeah more or less um, for tampering charges um, on Amaya how how they tampered it's not clear at all because it's not like you know, Amaya is what doing like what Andres Reyes did when he was showing up at like posting the pics at Dick's Sporting Goods in East Hanover and stuff like that. Like he's, you know, just chilling in Cincinnati, like posting like, uh, I kind of want to bounce, but he's not saying like, you know, I want to go to the Red Bulls or whatever. Like, um, so who knows what the tampering actually is, but whatever it was, uh, a couple days later, they resolved it enough to apparently, you know, have agreed or come close to agree this um, fee and looks like um, looks like Red Bulls got him. Looks like Kevy gets Denny gets whoever <laughs> whoever arranged this got it done. So Sam, what were you gonna ask? Uh, I was gonna ask about the <clears throat> the tampering, but also um, uh, I just thought it was interesting, Cork, that you talked about like, his positioning being a little deeper because when I saw the announcement and like the tweet. Um, uh, of saying that the the deal is done, uh, a lot of Cincinnati fans, I feel like, were really disappointed in like what kind of product they got with him in the two years that he was there. Saying things along the lines of like, "Oh, it was like you know, uh, like a goal and an assist." Uh, yeah, like, only like, pretty, one goal. Pretty like yeah. pretty like hollow like stats, but I think. And so I didn't really know what to, to make make of that, but it sounds like they just are were expecting a more attack minded results and like right. not appreciating the yeah. other work that he would do, uh, you know, things like pressing and kind of off the ball work. Um, so it'll be interesting to see kind of where he plays. Um, and, and when we talk about the formation, um, and, and the diamond, um, if you could kind of just revisit like where you also see Davis playing in that role, 
uh, I think it'd be helpful to kind of understand where Amaya would uh, would fit um, you know, when, when we talk more about like the Struber kind of like tactics. I think that'd be really helpful. Right. Like so. Um, so yeah, the, there was a friendly yesterday um, at at the arena in Harrison. Um, they played DC. Um, it was closed doors except for you know small amount of tickets given to kind of insiders and supporters group, but. Um, one one draw where Davis, Sean Davis, was one of the um, few players who went the full ninety minutes, and he went uh, the full ninety minutes in that deep six role. I, mean, I, I you know mentioned in the write up for OAM that I'm going all almost entirely off of uh, Matt Harmon's uh, radio broadcast of this, but um, according to him, uh, Davis stayed in that deep um, number six role at the base of the midfield for the entire game, and uh, even even when uh, Yuba Diara, who is a uh, new signing from loan signing from Salzburg. Um, he was subbed on and Davis remained the deepest player, even though Diara is considered to be kind of a uh, defensive minded midfielder. So um, I think um, seeing that shows obviously that Davis is, is Struber's kind of preferred six and um, deep midfielder, but also that whoever that deep midfielder ends up being is going to be more of kind of a, a passer and a circulator um, of the ball than kind of a destroyer. Um, Carrick. Carrick, um, you know, uh, Pirlo, Skulls. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, analogies for it um, in, in, you know, in recent, you know, high level European football. Um, I'm thinking, you know, kind of um, in terms of a, of a pressing team. I mean, Jordan Henderson maybe mm. um, is a is a you know more immediate recent example in like kind of the most high profile um, pressing team there is. And yeah, just a guy who doesn't have to be like you know big muscle back there, but just you know uses the ball economically. And you know, um, I think another thing that's interesting about the diamond midfield and you know the way Davis fits into it is that if there's one thing, cause you know, I guess to just kind of give, give pretext for how I, and how I, I guess we view Davis um, is that he is kind of a, you know, a, you know, more of a linking midfielder, you know, and maybe on, maybe on FIFA he's listed as like a CDM or whatever, <laughs> but you know, uh, in reality, he is much more of kind of like a linking player who uses his passing skills and his movement rather than kind of like muscle in, uh, in kind of, you know, dominating the midfielder and finding space. Um, and not necessarily like, you know, your like deep Roy Keane, Michael Essien uh, defensive midfielder. Um, and with that being said, the one thing where I think him being a more technical deep midfielder, he falls short on is kind of long passing. He doesn't have a ton of range and he mm -hmm. can't really switch the ball that well a lot of the time, but in the diamond midfield, uh, that's going to be less of an issue because a, there's much, there's fewer wide players to switch to. So that situation isn't going to present itself as much. And when you do want to provide width. In a, in a diamond midfield, you know, it's going to be when the full, you know, because the fullback is obviously um, the fullbacks and the strikers to a lesser extent are going to be your your width. 
Um, it's not going to be, you're not going to be moving the ball to the wide part of the field until you've already done some combinations and penetrated mm -hmm. into the final third. It's not going to be as much kind of long switches from your deep midfielder. Mm -hmm. So I think it could be a position where, where Davis kind of thrives. And I think, you know, Amaya too could be good in that position. Although I will say in Amaya's tape, he shows some, some pretty decent, you know, long passing and switch skills too. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Yeah. Um, one, one very superficial comparison that comes to mind for Amaya as well, like what Cincinnati fans may have been expecting out of wrongly is kind of how uh, Felipe, before he came here, was, you know, he wore number 10 for Montreal, I think, and, and was kind of put mm -hmm. up top. Um, and uh, I think if, if Red Bulls fans maybe were less distracted about, you know, sort of Pecky's firing and, and then, you know, Sasha Kleschen coming at the literal exact same time, kind of uh, overwhelmed that. But I think you probably would have guessed that Felipe would have been probably further up the field when we first acquired him based off of that. And Montreal fans right, are viewing right. him as, as a attacking midfielder. And, and to lesser extent, you know, Arteta, <clears throat> when he moved, when he was at Everton was, was further up the field and eventually played a more reserved role at Arsenal for several years to great success. So I think mm. there, there's maybe some parallels along um, those lines, but for, for Davis as well, this, this, Reminds me that I feel like the the one play, the one goal that really like summarizes the system and, and kind of his skill set to me, and really 2018 on the whole, it's kind of it's either the first or second goal um, in the 4-0 derby win in the league in 2018, um, where uh, like Adams comes and checks down, um, I think Morales or someone in midfield strips the ball from him, and Davis is as always in 2018, like five yards away from uh, Adams at the time and is there to get the the second little pass and just like pivot up and then immediately chipped it over to find BWP, which led to the goal. And it all happens in like four seconds. Um, and I feel like contrasting that with 2020 and 2019, is it looking a lot of the past maps and which I do take with a grain of salt, but like, one pattern you saw big time with Davis was the ball was kind of just being shoveled into him at the tip of the, of, of midfield. And he mm -hmm. was going in and out and, and kind of being asked to play more of a stereotypical 10 role, which I don't think suited him at all better. So I, I think the moving him further back could, could be good and could be interesting, but um, yeah, maybe we, we can delve deeper into that when we talk about the diamond um, later as well. Cause I think there, there's also, well, well, I just want to mention that, like, I think drawing further parallels to kind of that Felipe situation, the the reason I think we thought Felipe would be a little bit further up is because we had Sasha Kleschen, who we had also signed, and we thought he would be playing further back, right? Because that's historically where he played. That's true, um, I guess. Yeah, I forgot that. You know, so we could also just generally look at, I mean, like, in terms of parallels of, like, maybe some, some players that are traditionally um, expected to be certain places might end up in an unexpected role in this uh, diamond yeah, which general Struber formation reminds me that I, I accept that like if you're not plugged in or if like you're not totally on board that this might sort of sound insane. But um, <laughs> that I think the fact that like these guys that we're picking up from other MLS teams, Reyes, Amaya, Gutman are all are all um, kind of guys that had on paper mixed seasons and mixed form on like very not very good teams in a way mm -hmm. is more encouraging to me 
than if we were just signing up guys who like made the all-star team. We're just like, oh, that right. guy's good. Let's just bring it in because he's good. Guys who were who were passengers on teams that happened yeah. to be good or, in the COVID season or like, yeah. Kind of like what Houston did when they traded for Parker a bit, maybe. Like, you know, they're like, oh, let's, well, get, yeah. let's get an all-star center back. Whereas like the fact that we're getting these guys who had, when you watch the tape, have some like real skills and, and great athleticism, even though their team sucked, I think, you know, shows shows a level of deliberation, I guess. But absolutely, yeah. The um, oh, my cat is whining. She wants she wants to come in and eat the cords on my headphones. Maybe it'll make it onto the recording. Maybe not. Uh, the uh, other some glitchy glitchy tones coming in. <laughs> the other uh, transfer rumor that also seems to be on the brink of being completed is a striker, actually, uh, by the name of Patrick Klimala. Um, if I, I looks pretty straightforward to pronounce this time, if I mispronounce the Polish, please, please scream at me. Um, Patrick Klimala, a Polish international currently at Celtic youth international youth, youth international. Sorry, sorry. Put my hat on, but yeah, no, I mean, important distinction. Um, and he's on the brink according to a bunch of reporting and more importantly, forums, in a in a Celtic, uh, what do we know about Patrick Klimala? Uh, like yeah, like I said, Polish youth international hasn't hasn't gotten his full whatever they call the the Polish team, the Eagles. Maybe I don't know, but uh, <laughs> he's he's not he's not all the way with Poland yet. But he is a Polish youth international. He is. Um, he had played with, uh, Jagalonia, um, Bialystok, which is, you know, kind of, kind of one of the bigger, bigger teams in Poland, but came up from there. He actually, um, and he said in interviews that his favorite position is right back and he came up as a right back. Um, but, uh, I did not know if that was like a joke when at first, when I saw that, when people were posting that, I thought it was like a shit. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. Um, somehow he had to settle for being like a $4 million striker. Um, somewhere <laughs> down the line, and uh, um, yeah, the ended up getting Ashley a Cole, I guess. Right? Ex- yeah. Right. Right. Um, and uh, some, you know, just kick, kicking and screaming gets dragged into signing for Celtic as a striker for four million dollars, and uh, um, doesn't work out for him too much. Um, Celtic kind of uh, they have uh, Odson Edward, um, who's kind of you know their main star player at striker, and they haven't really used a lot of of two striker formations recently. So not a lot of playing time for Klamala since he's been there. Um, and when he has played, um, he's you know scored a few goals. He scored I think three in the league, uh, and I think maybe one in some cups. But um, uh, which you know for a guy who's only getting spot minutes and spot starts, that's not nothing. Um, you know it's mm-hmm. it's not easy to score score goals, but. Um, uh, and one of, one of the goals he scored that kind of got around on the internet a little bit is one where he gets like, you know, in typical Scottish league fashion, just completely dumped on his ass in a tackle, but still is able to get up and take a couple touches and rip it past the keeper and score. Um, so he's kind of, you know, he's that kind of like rowdy physical striker, which, you know, you would kind of expect for a guy who started out as a defender. Um, he's, you know, kind of knows how to, you know, use his frame and, you know, kind of muscle around in the goal 
And, um, you know, uh, not, not really sure if there's any, you know, like with Amaya or if there's any like kind of pressing metrics out there on him. Um, I, I, I think you would probably get like, you know, fined in Scotland if you tried to measure like heat maps or something like that, if you got, if you hired a data analyst, but, um, maybe the stats are out there, maybe not, but, um, uh, it's, it's a very pole pot league, so to speak, but, um, uh, but, um, yeah, so we don't know. We don't know whether his pressing stats are too good, but um, you know, he's definitely a player with a decent pre- pedigree. He's still only, I think, twenty-two at the at the oldest years old, and um, you know, just you know, yet another guy who, um, you know, when you first glance at it, you know, it's very easy for a lot of the the usual elements in a lot in the Red Bulls fan base to be like, oh, well, this guy is just some freaking bum. That's the only reason we got him, but if you take a few minutes to actually like look into it, it's a guy who, you know, actually has some pedigree and actually has some stuff to, you know, kind of prove. And, uh, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. This, this rumor got reported kind of at the end of last week. And, um, you know, with little whispers we've heard here and there sound like it's still, you know, pretty lined up to happen. So we'll just have to wait and see. Compliment to Fabio. Like for like for Fabio, so do you think? I think it, I think it would be a compliment. I yeah. think it's pretty clear that we're we're going to run a two striker formation mm-hmm. um, with or without the diamond. So I think um, you know, yeah, that if if it ends up happening, um, we're going to see Fabio and Clamala just kind of you know, kind of letting them hit the ground running. We'll yeah, see. our our own Furch and second Furch. I like how no one can ever remember yeah, what the other kinda. Furch was. Yeah, yeah, he's just. <laughs> Uh, like okay. you know, I don't know. I tracked it down once, and he actually he did not have like as memorable of a career. Like for first, you know, like won or, the golden boot or something for a year or two. But I think that guy was more flash in the pan for his yeah, form for Santos. Uh, the the Andrew Ridgely of the first <laughs> the first pairing. But if yeah, you had told me last year that we would have like a new two striker pairing um, on instead of Barlow and White, but that both Barlow and White would still be on the squad. I would have struggled to believe you, I have to say, but yeah, interesting. Um, oh, this has been a very active, like, obviously transfer window, though. I mean, Incredibly. Like, this brings us up I, to um, what? 10, 11 transfers of both of these? Yeah, give or, give or take, depending on how you define, like, Luca Lewis and... Vickelman Carmona. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, uh, more, more or less, more or less 10 okay. first team signings by the time the dust settles on this transfer window. It feels like well, it's like obviously not as squad. much of like yeah. a big, like cash sinkhole. Um, but it, it kind of feels like, cause I, cause I was watching the, the Chelsea transfer season last year um, too, but it kind of like in terms of the, the frequency of news coming in, it just constantly feels like, oh, wait, there's another one. Oh, wow, there's another guy. Oh, my God, they're going to replace the entire starting 11 just with the new signings. Um, it kind of feels like that in a way, obviously, with much uh, different response, I think, um, to how that kind of thing would have gone. But, you know, like, I think this is like the MLS version of signing Kai Havertz and Timo Werner and uh, Hakim Ziyech in the same window almost. Yeah, I mean, like the moves, the moves that we made, I mean, to not to like keep repeating ourselves, but just like, yeah, they had to kind of like jump through a lot of hoops to get them done. And I imagine that we were we were fighting off, you know, a decent amount of competition to get some of these guys. I mean, Reyes um, had uh, 
you know, it's not named yet, but apparently some some Belgian teams in for him when we mm-hmm. signed him. Uh, we had, uh, you know, Gutman uh, was a guy who was picked up by Atlanta, and we had to kind of haggle with them before we were able to get him from Celtic. Mm-hmm. And, um, you, know, uh, you know, Cameron Harper, who I don't even know if we've mentioned yet, um, was apparently we had to fight off some, some English league teams for him. So these are guys who, um, even if they weren't like, you know, you know, at the top of magazine articles or whatever, um, they were definitely guys who, if you were a MLS GM, MLS technical director, you were aware of, and you know, was probably a pretty hot property that, you know, if you had the opportunity to come across, you would have you know, wanted to get things done for him. And instead we've done that, yeah. uh, even though we have this, um, you know, new kind of sporting director who supposedly wasn't, you know, necessarily going to be um, super, kind of used to MLS mm-hmm. from the get-go. So I think, you know, there's a lot to like. And all three of them, all three of the MLS guys, Reyes, Gutman, and, and Amaya, were guys that their teams wanted to keep and for different reasons could right, find a right. way to do yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. But speaking of our uh, head of sport and uh, familiarity with MLS, uh, I almost forgot to mention, I forgot to put in the, the outline that Dennis Hamlet, Sporting director, master of, of day-to-day operations and handholder of Kevin Thelwell has been vindicated. Dennis Hamlet can CC an email. He emailed all the right people. Kaku got the email. So he was served. He was, he was somebody at the park at, at the Jersey City uh, yeah. boardwalk asked him, sorry, you look so familiar. Urukan class of, of 2012 said, <laughs> I, yes, my name's Kaku. I thought so. And he shoved it in his hand. That man was Dennis Hamlet. He did send him the Gene, email. Gene Parmesan. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then uh, Kaku's wife, scr- you know, screamed in the light. screamed. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... We we have won an arbitration specifically with the players' union, though. Let's go. Um, that that he is still under contract. Um, Take that union. Yeah. Suck on that shit. And, Get in. <laughs> but it's just it's just a players' union, a player MLSPA and MLS thing. So in order to get any sort of settlement with Atawun or whatever we'll have to take it to another level which we can we can discuss as it comes um and the the team that Atawun played this this week in the league Kaku scored on them and he played um so they they filed a protest actually that he illegally participated so hopefully that that pre- precipitates some action um, hopefully that gets messy yeah, we yeah. That it, it hopefully, 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 people's lives get ruined. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should we should be paid five hundred thousand dollars for every goal Kaku has created for that team. So far. I think personally, I think every single goal and assist that he's conducted should be applied to the Red Bulls season so far. So we just we get mm. like four goals and two assists or whatever that we get to apply as need be. Just I don't really know how counting those case assists, of tiebreakers. Like, assists also counts as a yeah, goal. tiebreakers. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we'll 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 update on that story, I guess, as need be. But um, I think we're, I don't we're think already. What's that? Not only was Dennis vindicated, but I I I think you uh, missed out on mentioning that Cork, on our was it Cork or once a Metro was the the opposing voice of Dennis Hamlet being um, the oh, worst, yeah. you know. So oh yeah, in defense yeah, of Hamlet. Now- 
Yeah, now yeah. everybody, now everybody's, you know, wanting to take their picture with Dennis. That was your but, track so, at, uh, at Tom Brady is a worker. And I cannot, yeah. I cannot uh, <laughs> applaud you for it as a result. Um, but okay, yeah, we're we're already we've already talked about the diamond, so I think we should we should talk about diamond midfield in full, but then also just the rest of this friendly on Saturday against DC. That was um, surprisingly hard to listen to. I mean, I guess that they had the guys taking video or hard to watch. It was impossible to watch. You could only listen to Matt Arman on Red Bull Radio, which which Cork did for Once Metro and wrote up. Um, and uh, we, we got the lineup at, for on Twitter basically immediately as it started, which, you know, for understandable circumstances... This preseason has been weird and a bridge, but it's really, really the first lineup we've seen so far. Uh, you know, in, in previous years, you have the Arizona and Florida little tournaments or whatever, um, but this is it. And uh, we saw, as discussed, Davis at the six. We saw Gutman debuting at left back, uh, and we saw Fabio debuting up top, and Carlos Coronel starting at the goalkeeper position, um, Tom Edwards still does not have his visa sorted out. So it's more difficult to establish, I think, a, a whether the Kyle Duncan starting was playing. And my questions, uh, I guess, really are about the midfield, looking specifically at the shuttlers, so to speak, and what that means. And um, the fact that Caden Clark started and, and um, you know, what, what we can expect from him in the midfield and, and that part of it and, and expect him to be the main contributor, but the shuttlers CCJ and who else was, was shuttling? Was it below? Uh, below, below. Yeah. Can you, um, I'm sorry. Can you just explain to me shuttlers again <laughs> and well, how, okay. how a shuttler should uh be understood compared to a, a traditional winger wide wide they're, they're those little mini buses at the airport <laughs> that pick you up now um they are shuttlers are they're basically i mean the easiest way i guess to describe them is that they're essentially number eights mm -hmm. um to to borrow another type of, of midfield terminology or framework um they are they are kind of obviously links between the mid the, the defense and the attack um but they also um in it like like i was kind of mentioning earlier with how the deep um base midfielder in a diamond plays um they're generally expected to be kind of hustlers and provide a lot more of the work rate and ball pressure that um you would kind of more intuitively expect to come from the deepest midfielder um, the shuttlers will be replied on to do a lot of pressing, um, especially for a, for a, you know, a Red Bull team, a pressing team that Struber is going to be setting up. Um, they're going to be doing a lot of the pressing. And then generally from there, they're also going to be, you know, kind of, you know, helping set up triangles, you know, helping set up, um, you know, between, um, the forwards and the 10, how they combine in front of them. And, um, it's, it's a role that's been filled by a lot of kind of like different kinds of players, on some of the big, um, you know, European teams that have done diamonds in the past, like, uh, um, you know, just, you know, kind of one example is, um, you know, kind of, uh, uh, players like Coutinho and, uh, Angel Di Maria are some guys who have been, you know, traditionally more attacking players, um, kind of 
basically full on wingers who have been converted into shuttlers and diamond formations in the past where um, the energy and the work rate that they usually use to get up and down the wing are used more to kind of pressure bodies um, and win the ball in the midfield on top of, you know, kind of carrying the ball forward through the middle of the midfield. And I think that's um, an area where um, it'll be interesting because, uh, you know, obviously in a diamond midfielder, in a diamond 4-4-2, there's not going to very, you know, really be be dedicated wingers, um, which made it interesting that we signed Cameron Harper, um, who I mentioned earlier, who is more of a, his history at, at Celtic was as kind of a dedicated dribbling winger i think he could make that switch to be kind of the shuttling um you know attacking mid almost like you know a Di maria or a coutinho did in those roles in the past um but the way that the red bulls were set up yesterday like you said there was caseras and um Velo, who were the main shuttlers and i think um caseras especially is an example of a shuttler who uh, you know, there's been guys like Ramirez, uh, the Brazilian Ramirez with Chelsea, who has kind of um, played played more of a defensive-minded version of the shuttler, where uh, he, you know, was kind of pinned back and just sort of, you know, kind of manning the edge of the center circle, more or less, um, you know, kind of setting up behind the attack when it moved in front of him, and then pressing on the front foot when you know the team lost possession. Um, so those are kind of I guess some some examples of how mm-hmm. shuttlers have acted in the past in teams you might be familiar with, and then also um, kind of how they would relate to how how our guys play. I think Velo in particular um, could do really well in a shuttling role. I think it's you know I think the way the the the, the things that you would expect a shuttler to be doing in a formation that Struber is going to be running is going to be pretty similar to the things that Velo was expected to do as kind of um, one of the, as, as, as sort of a central attacking midfielder in the Jesse Marsh, you know, four, two, three, one formation that we remember from mm-hmm. kind of that big champions league run in um, 2018. So, um, but yeah, I mentioned Velo and Caceres, but I think Carper also is a player who we could be watching in that role. I don't think he, I think he played, let me look really quick. No, actually. So, so actually Harper, Harper was subbed on for Caceres yesterday. Okay. Um, so I think that's, I think that's a direct example there. And then he ended up impacting the game from a, you know, an attacking standpoint in the final third. So I think that's, yeah, an example there of how I think you can sort of view how Harper is going to be used and view how the the shuttlers in a, in a diamond midfielder. Yeah. That's used. interesting. Cause he had given a quote, Earlier in the preseason, along the line that that sounded like he was expecting to play up top, or or yeah, be a yeah, forward no, that's player. true. So, I mean, this is also making me wonder, you know, if you know, it, it just feels like Alex Muel would have been fantastic for this. Um, it, but yeah, it's a uh, it's a shame because I feel like a lot of the reason I liked Alex Muel was the same reason that he sort of got impatient with just sitting around in the zone, the Armist zone for so long, you know, like it sounds like it was a good decision for both parties that he was just like, I'm tired of this. <laughs> and I just wish the the rest of the club could have been tired of it at the same time that he was. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what could have been? Um, I was going to bring it back to when you had um, your reassurance of trading wheel away with Jared Stroud performing well oh god jesus christ i totally <laughs> forgot about that um 
Yeah. So. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> what, what about, uh, what do we know about Clark's performance yesterday? And like, and, and how did he uh, perform or, or in relation to the shuttlers, but also Fabio up, up top? Were we able to yeah, discern I mean, from from Harmon's radio call? Not not too much um, on on Clark. Uh, I mean, whether you want to say that's because he was just like inactive and kind of invisible in the game, I think that's probably unfair, having not seen the actual visuals. But mm-hmm. no, you didn't you didn't hear a whole lot from Harmon about uh, Clark's activity during the game. Um, you would think in a, in a four four two diamond. I mean, I. I guess I guess that's one area to 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 go back to the Amaya discussion for a second. That um, I think one thing that could lead Amaya to maybe be more of a ten in our formation is the fact that I saw more in his tape um, as far as penetrating up the field and and getting on the dribble far up the field and in the final third than I'm used to seeing with Clark. Mind mm. you, we have extremely, as we you know well know, we have extremely small. Um, sample size to look at with Clark so far, you know, certainly a small sample size with, you know, full adults. But um, what we have seen is that Clark, I think is, is a bit more of a passer and, uh, and an off ball player than kind of a carrier than as like Amaya is. Mm-hmm. And I think um, the 10 in this, in, in this, you know, game or in this system that super is going to be setting up um, is going to be have to be kind of be jumping into the channels more and, and moving into the space that the forwards leave. And I'm not necessarily sure that Clark is as much that player. Mm. So that'll, that'll be something to monitor. Yeah. All right. The, um, we talk about the center backs as well yesterday. I know, I know Amro started with long and then, and then Reyes came in um, to what extent, can we infer anything from that? Is is the is it Reyes getting up to fitness? Is it might is this actually the first choice combination? Obviously, you know, I feel silly saying these things because it's literally one preseason game. But hey, it's what we've got yeah. to work on. No, no, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, I think obviously with Long, it's a situation of where he's been with the national team for a lot of this off season and has played like real games. Mm-hmm. Um, so doesn't necessarily need to get his sea legs back and get a full 90 minutes of running in. Um, Tarek is probably a different situation, especially being a veteran. Um, and then Reyes. Yeah. Maybe, maybe this is, you know, maybe obviously it's just a preseason game. Like you said, it's the only one that we, we know the exacts on. So probably reading too much into it, but maybe Reyes is not, as much of a slotted in starter as we initially thought. Um, there has been a lot of like kind of out of the way praise for, for Reyes by Struber and Thelwell mm-hmm. in some of their press conferences this year. So um, I think, you know, obviously he's still somebody they think highly of, and there's been even some little snippets in the, in the club media um, during the preseason that, uh, you know, he's, you know, kind of, kind of showing like bodying guys and kind of stuff like that. So he's he's making waves, and I think they they still think highly of him, but maybe he's not going to be a starter immediately. Mm. Um, he might just need to be but, eased in still. It's like yeah, still. exactly. I mean, he's still young, and yep. yeah, I yeah. Mean, he only played 13 games with Miami last year, and they still loved him, even though he wasn't an every week player. So yeah, one of um, the big brain play here is that Aaron Long is actually the base of the the diamond midfield, 
and, and Struber's big brain play is to turn him back into a midfielder. Bring him back to a defensive yeah. midfielder. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be that's that's the best move that Chris Armas never made. Um, <laughs> that's that's something that he would have loved yes. to fucking do if if, oh if the god. light bulb went off in his head. Oh my god! Remember Aaron um, Long, uh, emergency center forward. <laughs> oh god! Yeah. 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 At least that um, happens with center back sometimes, though. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but one thing with yeah. Reyes speaks mostly just Spanish, right? Like, his, he's still learning English. There's been some clips that he that he speaks a little English, okay. though. I don't know if it's just like jokey stuff, but there was a thing of him uh, hanging out with Drew Yearwood. I think Amaya is bilingual. So that Amaya is from Amaya is from Orange County. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, but I know I know it's I think he's eligible for mexico too because i think his parents mm-hmm. um were born in mexico yeah so I, but he's he's play, he's played with um u.s youth teams though okay. amaya like including recently but oh, i hate this we have so much attention now from the u.s if, yeah. Frogs. If, if, if you go to like the quote tweets of the announcement of amaya it's everything is usmnt like all these yeah. fans being like oh i'm i'm red bulls big to watch this year so much promising American talent. So it's just like you would have thought. You would have thought that the Trump like administration would have fixed this for a lot of people. The the USMNT. No, thing, it, it really it, made it, it like worse. It made it worse, right? Yeah, I think it, I think it became a, a um, exhaust like a reclamation for project. some people. Yeah, people were like, we need to restore the glory of the United States national team because that is <laughs> you know like. That that is where America is already great, you know, the blue hat thing. But, Just totally unironically parroting like MAGA sentiment into it too. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. That's that's a can of worms. Um, but <laughs> the I I just think like if if Amaya is bilingual as well, I think that's that's another. It's a good point because I mean, just think about well, and yeah. And- not not to touch on a on a quite a third rail for for the team this week, but um, they are ramping up kind of the the Spanish media this year right, and yeah. some some new staff and some new programming for that. And it's it's definitely not the days of like four or five years ago when Gonzalo Verón was yes. literally the only Spanish right. speaker on the entire first team yeah, operation. True. Or like I feel like it the numbers might have not been totally, but there was there was sort of that transitional period where like Colin was it seemed like was like the translator or like might have been yeah. so like I think just like the more points of connection that we have in the squad the better so we're not just relying on one or two guys and and whether they get along you know because like not everyone is buds with everyone so the more the more guys who can communicate with each other the better um but That's very true yeah uh I guess to to tie up the scrimmage discussion, uh, we should discuss you know what happened. It was like one one, right? And and from what I can tell from the write up and and Harmon's description of it, the first goal was a breakdown in in transition, right? Do we know Do we know more about it? And like the clips, not that too came much. Out? I mean, just just that. Yeah, I mean, I guess there was you know, I guess like a ball popped loose and then Sorga kind of ran away with it. I imagine the team was running a pretty high line. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh yeah i'm just i mean i'm imagining that those are kind of i mean there was a game earlier like the first scrimmage of the preseason apparently we dropped 3-1 to to the miami usl team um where i just imagine yeah just just kind of a thing where you know 
somebody, somebody, you know, gave the ball away or missed an assignment somewhere and just, they, they let him go on a sprint. And Mm -hmm. it sounds like the sort of thing that maybe in a real game, somebody would be hit with a professional foul or something like that. I don't know. It's it's probably not worth speculating too much on because we didn't actually see it. Yeah. And then we scored on a penalty, which the one note that I think I heard Mm -hmm. Harmon made was that Fabio didn't think twice to grab the ball until like yeah, Roy, Roy was on the that. field then and then he was like oh wait no I, I'm I'm the pen guy and and but hey I like that confidence no I love it yeah it reminds um, me of like yeah. last year when Egbo took a penalty without without a, a second thought and we were like oh that's yeah. nice he doesn't yeah that's, but sweet. that's cool that's novel um, only only a precursor to becoming the most confusing man on the roster though right um, the uh Cool. And then the the only other note I think we should make is that there's there's inferring it's not confirmed just inferring though that that uh, Drew seems to have had some sort of minor knock like he wasn't warming up as well or as much as everyone else and kind of had been held out of action so um, you know may, maybe he figures in to this it's 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 not necessarily um, we can't necessarily say that he's just like out of favor or anything he might have been a little injured. Yeah. But and we on this podcast believe that Drew is kind of that shuttler role, right? Like I believe in that. I, I think know. so. I yeah. think so. I think I think that that is his skill set. I think his skill set is sort of moving into space. And you know, I that the word that I kept using when I first watched his tape last summer from England was that uh, he's a wrestler. Mm. Like he's he's constantly wrestling in the midfield and like going body to body with guys. And I think that's I think that's something that will be you know, most fitting um, in the in the shuttling eights role. Cool. Can we get so a cork you take think, on you think he would he would he would play above Davis? You're saying, yeah. So you think Davis yeah, is yeah. pretty much permanent and the only kind of person at the well, bottom. Of here's the my follow up. Do we, can we get the cork take on whether or not CCJ is uh, a six still? Do do you still think? Oh, that? I'm I fucking suck at that take. So like, I'm not going to give one right now, but. Um, <laughs> Because uh, I've, I've like, they've, they've twisted me in so many directions on that the last few <laughs> years. But like, but they, um, do you mean me? You. <laughs> well, yeah. every, the fucking, the fucking, the, the, yeah, the, the cosmic like. Peaches, it's way, been established that like, reality bends to our <laughs> podcast and and to specifically to make us look as foolish as possible. At least the last yeah, year or two. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean. I, if, if I was setting the team up as a complete layman, like, well, not layman, I'm a fucking pro. I'm managing a manager. once a metro. I, well, <laughs> and I'm, I mean, once a metro is like a side thing, but like I've, I've won, I've won at least nine Europa leagues with Celtic and Wolves <laughs> over the years. Like I know what the fuck I'm talking about. And, uh, um, if I'm starting a team from scratch, I'm probably putting Caceres in that, in that six role, but that's just, one boy's opinion yeah so doug doug's room in the white house or wherever the vice president lives is uh he's got a a cork board up on the wall with your fm username written on it and darts that's right thrown into it he's he's coming for the king um cool well uh i think it's a good place to pin the scrimmage session and we can move more into the preseason preview part of this where we can lay down some predictions 
and uh, aspirations, concerns, that sort of thing. And then audience questions, viewer questions, listener questions, whatever. I don't know. What is what is multimedia? What listeners? Yeah. yeah fan seriously. questions. So now it is the preseason preview portion. Stopping, pausing, looking at the team as we are now, trying to figure out how we feel about this. Recording this for posterity. First things first, though, we, we should mention just the structure and schedule and, and of the league this year. Obviously, last year was exceptionally weird and arguably illegitimate, <laughs> or as we often said, fake last year. And personally, I, I got very tired of calling this season fake. Like, I'm sure if you were listening or reading things, it seemed old. I, I thought it was old. But unfortunately, it was true, in my opinion. I didn't like saying it over and over again, but I, I didn't like that the pandemic was still happening either, and that was still true. Um, so looking into this season, though, there's been more teams added. I guess it's really just Austin this year, right? So now there's like something like yeah. 27 clubs in the league, um, and there's uh, all sorts of weird thing. you know, the... the Fans are going to get phased in the stadiums as more people get vaccinated. And then I believe the Canadian teams are still camping in the U.S. for a little while until, until like the, the border restriction kind of thing ease up. So there are still some weird things going on this season, including the fact that we these two first teams are playing, SKC and L.A., are Western Conference teams. And I believe that's it for the Western Conference for the rest of the year. Everything else is also more local, partially as a COVID thing to, to minimize distance traveled, which for me is a bummer. It, I don't like when the, the schedule is unbalanced in that level. I would almost prefer it. I would prefer it to rather just be straight up East and West. That way the, the conference titles yeah. can be a little bit cleaner. Um, doesn't mean that I hate the shield now, but I will say that especially compared to last year, like for me, this season is not fake. Like, you know, like everyone had sort of warning going into it and like, you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of on the same page about, look, we're going to play a season. There's not going to be fans for a lot of it. There's going to be some tough aspects to it. Like this is this is what's going to happen as opposed to last year, which I probably doesn't need long explanation of how it was just all kind of at once and weird and the tournament and bubble and all of that. So for me, this season is it's happening. It's gonna, I think whoever wins. Yeah. It's happening. It's happening on like on schedule, not, Mm -hmm. not totally on schedule, but on schedule as far as happening in the summer. And you've had a time frame of about six months to a year to plan Mm -hmm. out your team and then go out and, to, to have your team planned out to play games in the summer of 2021 um, on a you know pretty regular schedule in stadiums traveling around like yeah mm-hmm. it's going to be you know much much closer to the to the you know integrity of actual competition than last year ever came close to mm-hmm. yeah with that said so the first the first question I have us to make the rounds on is our aspirations slash expectations for this season so. First up, like what 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 is your goal and what what constitutes success this year? I guess those can be those can be two different questions. So first, like what is, what is your goal for this year? What do you think is a realistic like good scenario? I think we can take this turn by turn. So 
Peaches, do you have do you have a what is your goal for this squad and this team? I think mine's the same every year for for the Red Bull is to make CCL. Okay, Concacaf. I think that's a reasonable goal for a club of our ambitions. And qualification is is back to normal, right? For that, it's two conference uh, champs. U.S. Is Open there a Cup. U.S. Open Cup this yeah. year? That's that's the question. Well, there is. I will say the one exception to the to the real thing is that the U.S. Open Cup is not open this year. So that that is sort of an asterisk for me, and it will be annoying if we went hit and went the one it, year yeah. it's not open. Um, the, the greatest club competition in in America. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know why, I don't know, I don't know what what USSF's books look like, but um, other than that, yeah, it, okay, so so it's almost that, like there's no other cup competition that we could win in America. Yeah, but so Peaches, is that also double for you? For like what constitutes success, like if if we qualify for CCL, that's success, and if we don't, we don't. That that's not successful season. Yeah, I mean, like even if it's like you know, like an asterisk US Open Cup, we take those. Yeah. Okay. Sam, what will constitute um, success for you this year? Success. I, I I was thinking about it, and I think at a very base level, like a complete departure and erasure of the Chris Armis era. Uh, of this club would 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 be i think a success that to me is less about i think what place we come in you know where where we fall on the table um but but to me just having people and players who were subjected to the chris armis kind of style that that they that they played in um you know for the two plus years uh that he you know was coach and you know took us to replace him with struber um I think that like reprogramming those players to revert back to like the Red Bull style and then also like Struber's like kind of inherent, you know, twist on that, um, mm-hmm. it, that would be a success to me. Um, so, you know, I don't know how long that'll take. Um, you know, there's been, I think, a good, a good bit of uh, change over the off season. Um, but I think when we see that on the field, I'd be extremely happy just to continue to kind of watch that. Um, and if we don't, you know, if we're not able to shake that, you know, I think that, you know, is a failure. I don't know if, you know, it's a clear mm-hmm. failure. Um, but, but I think that that's the metric I'm going to keep, keep an eye out on, uh, as we go into the season. You've made me worry that we'll never have a progressive pass the entire season. Cork, what would constitute success for the club this year? Um, I, I don't know if I can pinpoint, I mean, it's, it's hard, especially with this league, with this club to pinpoint a specific trophy that you want to get your hands on. But I think, I think they've definitely set the bar. They being, uh, Stuber and Thelwell this off season, um, they've set the bar high for themselves. They've, uh, whether, whether people want to believe it or not, they've, they have brought in a pretty, pretty high quality amount of transfers uh, amount and quality of transfers. And, um, you know, this is a team that last year, um, you know, was what I consider to be, you know, pretty much bottomed out, um, mm-hmm. kind of a, a lost, lost coach who, you know, had kind of both lost the locker room and lost any sense of where he was taking the team tactically for the first half of the year. And then the second half of the year was just a, you know, obviously an interim coach, you know, working with the sort of, you know, discombobulated squad that had been left by, by Armas and, uh, and, you know, 
Thelwell had obviously been in and made the decision to get rid of Armas, but hadn't necessarily had a chance to really overhaul the roster by that point. So with with all that being said, with that like completely unfavorable situation last year, the team was still able to claw its way to sixth in the conference, um, you know, make it into the playoffs. And I just think, you know, with a team that's been re-engineered and brought in, it has brought in a more, you know, kind of reliable, you would hope, manager this year um i think expectations would have to be well beyond you know sixth place in the conference i think this has to be a team challenging you know near the top of you know whatever table you want to say is most important this year during the regular season and i think there's no reason why um we can't be one of the best teams in the league you know Mm -hmm. honestly um, pretty much, pretty much overnight. Um, you know, not not unlike the last time that we did a big regime change in 2015. So, um, I'm not you know without I guess you know pinpointing a, a specific marker or anything like that. I think those are the the expectations that I have for this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree on... that um, with with that, and and I think like especially looking at the rest of the league right now, I don't think there's any reason that we can't just be competing at the top level immediately instead of in, in terms of setting our sights. And I think like at first I was going to say like in a, in a short way, qualify for CCL like pages did. Cause I feel like it's mm-hmm. a good proxy. Um, but then like, I think I'm, I'm on the same page with that too. Yeah. yeah as far as like a concrete and, and result to, yeah. to clarify too, just like what I was saying, I, if we were to go back to, kind of what made us a really good team from 2015 to 2018 you know we we were still in almost every case maybe spare what 2017 we were first or second in the conference yeah uh, right. and the expectation would be to go back to that as well and 2017 weird like the ccl criteria weirdly covers 2017 kind of too because <sighs> this like last third to half of the season in 2017 kind of became fixated on the cup run, the open cup run. And like, there was a month yeah, where yeah, I felt true. like we were kind of just drawing games because we were just trying to go for that. Um, but I, I mean, I think the way you put it, Sam was good too, about like the arm Cause I think it reminds me last year, I wrote like a thing on the eve of the season that was like the case for arm out on, on once a Metro. And for that, like I split sort of like the, the criteria into like three buckets, which was like X's and O's and like tactics, his plan how he was managing the squad. And the third one was kind of just like morale and like being the leader of the team. And I think that's the one that like has really, the third one morale has really kind of been the most enduring thing to think about where, and and preseason has been encouraging along these lines already, but like the, the worst part of, of the zone and the Arma zone for so long was just this, this plummeting of standards. And, you know, when we're crawling by and playing terribly and, you know, just being technically in a playoff space, kind of being told that, no, this is just how it is. This is like, you know, this is normal. Like there's nothing to aspire to that's bigger or better than this. And that like, it's just about like getting to the playoffs and having a good run and anything else besides that is irrelevant. Cleansing that aspect and just, having some pride again and trying to be consistently winning matches and near the top of the table, almost for its own sake, I think would be, would be really key for me. Yeah. Um, I want to touch on that, uh, part of like, you know, like the, the the sixth place in the East aspirations aren't, um, I think like big enough, but also like 
just to tie that in with kind of like the the general media narrative, I think that's going around about how um, we might fare in this upcoming season. Because I mean, it's just like very clear that no one really has been watching us or like caring about our moves right. in, in a very specific way. Um, but I think at some point, like those uh, the 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 predictions that that these the the media is making now, or like you know people around MLS is making about the season coming up. Um, like I would like that to be higher for us because it, in general, I think that puts us to have um codified expectations and um for a like you know like for us to manage our expectations with with our our, our team and our club like that's something that was really missing in mm -hmm. the, the armist era obviously like we can't pressure them using um i guess i feel like uh outside new york media or whatever um and when they do they end up like doing stuff like the the, the ives article about uh, armist or, or whatever so i mean like in, in certain ex uh regards i like the, the reason i feel like we as our fan base might have so much friction with uh traditional mls writers and stuff like that is because they're not helping us um in in that aspect of like hey like we want to keep our club in check too but you know like you guys are obviously not doing that in in, in that way um because of the amount of both ignorance or just like lack of uh attention that we yeah get well it was club. like in in 2018 it was like when we set the record for most points ever it was like are the red bulls really good not really let's just sort of ignore them in the 2019 when we would have very much liked everyone to be like the red bulls suck now why like why is that happening this shouldn't happen it was more like well you know this is normal this is how they always were like they're not that bad and we're like what so um but hey in a weird way i kind of you know i kind of like or, or don't mind getting being disrespected or have the low ratings in some respect one, one you know bulletin board material and two for some of these if some of these guys said that they loved our off season i would be sort of worried you know like be like oh why if, if we made moves that you like I'm, i don't know if they're good moves you know if, if we're if we're building our team according to matt doyle's vision like i don't think that that i would like that at all um, so it, it kind of puts us back in a stitch and I'll say like, maybe like in a meta level for like talking, like just for Red Bull fandom and like on Twitter and stuff, like, I think like, you know, maybe this would be a good check on like for 2018. Like, I think, you know, the, the, the high points really were like, you know, when we beat Atlanta with Tyler and BWP out and just like seeing like, yeah, we did think we were going to win. Like, and just like kind of jumping on people for being like, we deserve, like we're, beating people and we're really good and like whether you like that or not whether you're not noticing that i think was really fun but like right now we haven't played a game yet like you know we kind of have to like win first to do that um and i think i like right now i'm feeling cautiously good and optimistic that we're gonna do that but like right now like i, I you know i it would be truly bizarre if mlssoccer.com was rating us really well and like i'm, I'm not mm -hmm. like too angry like i i'm not gonna blow my top off that well at them. yeah I, I yeah we all yeah exactly i mean we shouldn't be really worrying about what mls.com or whatever yeah. says until actual games are getting played i mean some of know, their predictions are still ridiculous but like you know we'll, we'll see right right yeah. so no yeah so i mean like I, I only brought this up to be like hey the the institution of the media for for this sport in for for our league at least is is is, is failing us as fans yeah well hey it gets quiet oh, when i uh, when we yeah, win it's yeah. quiet when i win <laughs> um okay so i'm gonna for the next point i'm gonna adapt a question actually we got from ed ritter on twitter um so the the 
you know, category cons- uh, is or bullet item is you know concerns about the season. What if if things don't go according to our aspirations that we just laid out? Why would that be? And the way that Ed puts it uh, that I like is you know with so many additions and a new system in in quotes. Uh, how long do we wait to see results? Do we give it an entire season with the constraints of pandemic? Keeping in mind also, I do there there have been some quotes from from Struber and Falwell that have been sort of in a, a little more incremental of you know about like oh let's reestablishing Red Bull identity, reestablishing so it's going to be a process. Um, mm. How long if 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 things are not up to scratch? How long is too long? Look, man, Struber's already been here for months, and we have yet to see a win. So, um, like, the, the leash true. is short, man. Like, let's let's look at this this way. He has a zero percent win rate here as a coach. It was announced what in like July or something. It's March or April. The clock Fuck. is ticking. Yeah, yeah. yeah come on, I um, I don't know. I, I give him to the end of Fabio's loan. I think. <laughs> Wait, how long is that? June, Isn't like July, two, July. July. Well, I mean, I guess it, or something. Like, I mean, to, to that to like to see if like what I'm seeing right now is is like preferable because you know hopefully by that point I'll see like with the eye test um, at least just like the, the points that are going well or even like the XGC yeah. stuff of things it, it, going well by that point. It, it depends in what ways we're coming up short. If because one thing that's clear with with ten to eleven transfers as we talked about this year, like it will be if if Struber at one point does say like oh I didn't get the players that I that I need. You know, he, maybe he says that at some point. If he does, it'll be fascinating to talk about it because, mm-hmm. you know, what's going on between him and Thelwell. But on its face, you know, we've really built this this squad in conjunction with hiring him and, and it should be all set up. Um, so if, if it's if the guys look like clueless and kind of don't know where to go under Armis, that's alarm bells for me. If the guys are still kind of learning the system and... You know, maybe it's kind of more like how last year Velo was doing everything and he just wasn't like tracking in the exact places like that should get better over time. Like the, I think if we're in October or September and that's still happening, that's not great. But if, mm-hmm. if you can just see signs of a plan for me, that's good. But I guess to the general point for me, like I, I do expect to com- compete this year. I don't I don't want to say, you know, this for me is not fifth place and then let's have a run in the cup and, and see how it goes from there next year. Yeah. Um, and I guess like, you know, I, it's hard not to make parallels to 2015 uh, when like the system was actually new, no quotes. Um, and we were able to implement it pretty quickly. I mean, Jesse didn't have too much time. Uh, when when he got here and you know to assemble his team uh, from the ground up, um, and I think you know Struber, there's, there's some parallels there uh, when we look at this off season. Um, I think that so we could see results, uh, you know, early um, uh, of this, you know, I think being successful, um, but with some pandemic constraints, um, you know, it, it could take a little bit longer. Uh, I would be concerned though if if we don't see substantial progress by the summer. I mean, I think the league is a little different than 2015 was where like if Jesse did anything different at all, it could just have ended up being very effective because what before before that, like for the past half decade, everyone was just playing a bland 4-2-3-1. And before that, mm-hmm. it was a 4-4-2, uh, just like straight up. Well, that's um, a good so segue, I think. Because like- look, looking at the clock as well, um, I think our, ne- our next point is really just to anticipate the table, where we might end up, what points, and then... 
too many teams in the league right now. Last year was too chaotic to go team by team. We're not going to do that. We're not going to list an entire ranking. But where do we? Where do you predict? You know, with do you really care about Nashville anyway? No. Yeah. You don't. Yeah. Sit down. Go listen to another podcast that does that. Uh, <laughs> we don't do Nashville. RBNY, and then the general rule for this this section, I think, is mention any other clubs that you feel compelled to mention that are noteworthy but we are, do not have to go through and methodically list every club in the conference this time so starting out i guess uh we can start with cork rbny where do we end up in this table in the table this year do you have a point estimate and any rivals any other rival clubs that you anticipate to be battling with in the table in in the, wherever we are um, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to put a point total on it, both because I think that's hard to predict any year. And mm-hmm. I think especially this year, um, we're going to have, I think the results are going to be a lot more flattened out. Like I think maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong on this, but I think they kind of were last year. Um, you know, there weren't, there weren't teams like, you know, consistently winning like every single game last year, the way, um, it, it can, right. can be in normal seasons. So um, I'm not going to give a points total, but I do think, you know, to reiterate what I mentioned earlier, I'm um, talking about expectations for the year that I think there's, I don't see any reason knowing both long and short-term history of this club and league that if, you know, they've been making the right decisions and checking the right boxes and bringing the players they brought in, that there's no reason why this team can't be one of the most cohesive and talented and, you know, best teams in the league and the conference fairly quickly. Um, and I, I think um, I, if I'm going to go ahead and give an, a point or a, a place in the standings or in the table that we're going to reach, I would say second place. Right. Um, I, I guess I'll head. You can give a range too, if you want. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I guess second place is kind of symbolic as saying it is, giving like a kind of half measure of saying, I think we're good enough to be, you know, I think we, we, we have the capability of being best in the league, best in the conference immediately. But I think there's enough variables, enough kind of, you know, little bit of hangups going on with the preseason right now that I think we might have a little bit of stutters here and there mm-hmm. enough to knock us from our, you know, Arsenal invincible season down to maybe a more of a, you know, just, juggernaut heading into the playoffs kind of season gotcha. either way i'm pretty bull- i'm either i'm pretty bullish about things as far as other teams in the in the conference or the league i mean that's part of you know this is part of why i'm you know sort of optimistic about how red bulls are going to fare this year is that most of the rest of the league has had no choice um because of pandemic restrictions and how much harder it's been to do transfers i think the rest of the league has kind of gotten stale and has had to sort of hold in place on a lot of you know the kind of updating of their roster and updating of their other tactical plans. And, uh, you know, I just think we're, you know, Red Bulls are just in a, in a better position to kind of have some wind behind our sails this year than pretty much any, any other team in the league. I mean, we, you know, you're going to have, you know, kind of Atlanta and Toronto, you know, having to deal with champions league out of the gate. That'll probably be slowing them down, you know, cause they might be some of the big contenders. Otherwise, um, you know, there's going to be New England that will, you know, probably have a pretty cohesive product there with Arena, um, you know, and Philly. You know, we'll we'll see if Philly can continue. I think Philly might have been the team last year that benefited the most from things being fake 
mm-hmm. and just kind of having a cohesive group of guys kind of churn results together. So I think they might have the biggest drop off. And then, yeah, I don't know. I still think Columbus is kind of a wild card. Everybody's pretending like they've, you know, established themselves as a big juggernaut, but um, obviously, obviously to the four of us, it was a fake season last year. So how much you can read into that, I'm, I'm less sure. So yeah. um, on top of yeah, that, people are just like putting the MLS cup on them too, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, you know, um, I'm, I'm not too bought in on that. So yeah, like kind of just running it through it like that. There's nobody else in the conference that really scares me or really stands mm-hmm. out as a sure thing, you know, contender this year. So I think, I think the field is pretty open for us to, kind of take control if 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 things are have been done correctly yeah so sam where do you see us in the table this year um yeah so in terms of like the table i mean i i agree with kind of cork's assessment and and uh points is is is, is i don't know difficult but i i you know kind of going back to how i saw it when i talked about what would be successful for the season uh, I do think something in the top uh, top part of the table is is is, is important to you know to our success. Um, if it were to be points, I'd, I mean, I would probably say something in the mid to high fifties, uh, mm-hmm. and I would probably say something um, you know along, along the lines of second or third place. Um, I, I don't really see any reason we wouldn't be there, you know, for similar reasons that, that Cork had stated. In terms of the other teams. I don't know. I don't really give a fuck about the rest of the, <laughs> of the, the, the conference. And I'm kind of glad we're not doing a team by team recap. Uh, Cause I honestly just don't know and don't care. Uh, the one thing I yeah. do uh, think should be interesting though, is um, I think we need to bring back the TFC uh, rivalry that was kind of building up in 2017 mm-hmm. and 2018 uh, that faded when Toronto got like bad um, and, and, like it kind of bottomed out when like Sasha left and there was like no more fight between Sasha and Josie Altador, which like is how that like one playoff, uh, you know, game ended with the two red cards, uh, at halftime. Like I want to bring that energy back. I thought that was fun. Mm-hmm. And now that Chris Armis is over there, there's like all, you know, it, the more time stakes. is right. We yeah. got to bring it back. Uh, yeah. that's the only thing I, I I'm going to, I'm going to say about the rest of the conference. Yeah. Stuber should circle that date on the calendar and just, you know, make sure he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't go into that match without like you know doing a full game plan or whatever <laughs> i think yeah. we, we should win that one just goes into the press conference just like there was yeah. this little man he said hello to me he sent me a bottle of wine <laughs> and <laughs> it was some california <laughs> it's absolutely atrocious um pages yes where, uh, where okay, are I'm, I'm a I think I'm a lot more optimistic. I, like, I totally agree that like the rest of the, the fucking league sucks now. Um, I think we saw that on full display last season. I don't know if anyone really made that many big changes um, because, to be frank, I haven't been following them. But also because, like, on it, it seems like we're the only one, like, it seems like, and, and this is like, I don't know, like, when people com- complain about, like, our ownership group, like, this, this is one of those seasons where it's like, um, you know, a lot of people don't have, I think, the resources that we do. Um, I mm-hmm. think we're able to make moves that a lot of teams just aren't and clubs aren't able to make. Um, I, I think a lot of people think that maybe, um, you know, like we're not ambitious in our signings, but like I, I would disagree considering this offseason with um, how much attention now is on us with these goddamn US MNT folk. Um, but <clears throat> I say we, we, uh, we get 100 points. That's oh my right. God. 33 wins. 
one draw. Um, uh, our one draw comes to Toronto, right? Obviously. Uh, one win. Oh, yeah. Of, of, of course. No, no. This 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 happens to Toronto. Okay, so so this is how I, I view the rest of the league. Toronto will fire Armas halfway through the season and hire another coach, and they'll like sneak into the playoffs. Um, I think what who else are we playing? Paying attention to Atlanta. I think Atlanta will make the playoffs. I mean, um, it's really hard then, not to at this point. Yeah, think, you know, tip like, of the hat to them they they the way. last year. Yeah. <laughs> And like, well, we have like, it, it's hard because like, if you think about our rivals, it's just like, it's the entire East. <laughs> you like yeah, kind of go through the whole thing. Like New well, England, like we talked the, about, I think we'll do okay. The narrative consistency has really dropped off. And they're, I they're, think City are going to have a bad season. They're, they're hard to, cause they, they've lost, I mean, they lost Matrita or whatever. And then Morales is only getting older and then they shipped off ring and they've, they they just seem very low energy right now too, you know. Like if they they, they can't even fill out their roster. Does like, it even matter if they do anything? Like the the Delia, uh, Chris Delia, manager of uh, NYCFC, Chris Delia, Chris Delia, whatever. <laughs> has uh, he was like openly complaining about not having players? Just bad energy over there, you know. I I hope we do a number on them this year. Um, but yeah, agreed. Um, it doesn't feel like they care. Either. No, no. I, I, like, hope I that, haven't seen an NYCFC fan in a long time. No, they they somehow feel extremely irrelevant, which is fantastic. Um, I I think I agree. I think Cork's thing yeah. about second place and like the symbolic value of second uh, thing is a good shout. Um, for points, I might I might just like offer sixty. I guess as a as a threshold, really as a way of saying more that I would expect and I would hope that we have a kind of season where um when we're when we're tied late into games we push to get the win or we push to make sure to not concede and when we're when we're losing we push to try to get the equalizer which has not really been the case the last year and a half two years um and and i think that that sneak you know sneaks up on the point total a lot like you know basically whether or not we're competing for the shield or not is the thing whether we really care about the points or whether we just care about how we're playing with the postseason in mind. So I, I would hope that we get over sixty and, and target around sixty to sixty-two. First to third is probably my um, range. If we're in fourth place, I, that's the area where I, I start saying we better have you know a good reason or like unsurprisingly strong uh, competition or a good cup run or something like that. But that, that's kind of how I see it. And then, yeah, right. you guys deep covered. leagues cup run. We're not in that now. Thank, thank God. I don't know. I don't thank care. God. We're literally not in it. And that's the last time I'm ever going to mention it. Uh, <laughs> let's move to quick, quick lightning round things. So these are the, the simple, yes. simple ones. It will eventually end in our little prop bet section. Number one, top scorer. PGs, you can go first this time. Who's our top scorer going to be? Fabio? Give an estimate of I goals. Believe, um, let's give him like I think he'll have like a good breakout season with fifteen. Okay, Cork. Uh, I'm. I think it'll be a goal, squad by goal by squad type thing. What, is what what, I'm lightning round. Like. Lightning round. Yeah, yeah. I I I was gonna say that uh, earlier in the off season I was you know handicapping more of an eighty ninety goal season for Fabio, <laughs> but I think I'll get a little more conservative and stick with maybe. Yeah, uh, twelve or thirteen. Thirteen goals. The the Fabio, Fabio wouldn't care if he uses an unlucky number. Uh, thir- thirteen goals leading the team. Fabio. All right. 
Sam. Fabio. Uh, I feel like it's going to be Royer, but no, no. Uh, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the hey. Fabio train as well. Um, uh, I'm going to go, uh, I don't know, uh, 11. You know, I think it'd be a good goal distribution amongst the team. All right. I'm going to go Fabio as well, and I'm going to go... Um, Gosh, I mean, you, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go fourteen. I'll go with my original one. I can't cheat and move it around. Uh, and Klimala gets like six or something, but it'll be good, all things considered. Top assists, uh, Sam. Um, below. I don't know how many assists. Yeah. Okay. But I, but I, I want. I want him. I want him to do really well in that. That that shuttle. Peaches. Uh, when we signed Matthias Pellegrini, no, I think it's gonna be Cameron Harper. <laughs> Cameron Harper, okay. All right. Yeah, cool. I, I think I like. Like, I think he's gonna come into it. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say Andrew Gutman. I think he's. Uh, I think he's gonna be like. I think Thanks. he's looking like he's gonna be an every week starter, and I think he's going to be a major creative force for the team. So yeah, Struber has pointed him out as a player who's gonna be a difference for them in the final mm-hmm. third. So yeah. I'm going to go with, I'm going to be, I'm going to go with a dark horse pick. I'm going to say Fabio also has the most assists in his, his link-up role. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, it very well could be. I mean, Struber mm-hmm. has, has pinpointed that as the way he might use him. So, yeah. I agree with the general sense we're getting here, though, that it's going to be a, a distributed across the team rather than a Sasha season. Um, okay. Now, you can interpret this as you will, but breakout player for the year. Whether it's they're coming back from injury, they're young, they're new to the team, breakout player. Uh, Cork, you can go first. Uh, I will go ahead and say Drew Yearwood um, because he seems to be a player who people have practically forgotten that he was a <laughs> designated player signing last year and is already almost being thought of as a bust, kind of along the same lines with Amaya where people think because he's not like scoring goals and cutting through guys that he's not any good. So I think he's going to have to be a big part of any success the team that has this year. So I'll go with Drew. All right. Peaches. Uh, Cornell. Cornell. Okay. Sam. Mm-hmm. Yearwood, less penalties, more wrestling. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I it's hard to argue against Yearwood for me. Um, okay, I'll say Yearwood's my real answer, but like my backup answer to supplement this is going to be a a emergence or or of Omir. Um, like maybe he's not going to be like, you know, the breakout player of the year, but he has like the potential of being sort of comeback in a way where that, like, I really sort of gave up on him, not really his fault, but I gave up on him and he, he comes back into the squad. That's an aspirational one, admittedly. Okay. So this next one looks like it might actually be fairly simple. So, but we can just get it on the record as well. Who gets the most minutes at goalkeeper or you can also interpret this as do we transfer Mara or Jensen at any point this season? Sam. Um, um, I think that if anything, I don't know. Fuck. That's a, that's a tough question. Um, maybe I mean, Jensen. you can also disagree um, with my implication that Cornell gets. No, no, no your implication. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I, I think, I think, I think, I think you're right. Uh, I agree. 
Um, we are content starved this season and there's only like two clips uh, and the double save of Cornell is up there uh, and, and it looks good. Uh, mm-hmm. Overall, so they get a good game. So uh, hopefully all signs point to that uh, being the most minutes. Jensen uh, is gone. All right. Pages. Um, I think with my, my breakout player prediction, like it's clear that I think that Cornell is probably going to become our starter. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, who, who knows? Maybe, maybe um, our breakout player is Cornell and he suffers a David Jensen type of injury and then Ryan Mara ends up starting for the rest of the season. Um, David, do you think we David transfer Jensen one of the other guys? I think Jensen's lower. I, like, I've always said this. Like, I don't think Jensen's looked at that good ever for our team. Um, okay, well, he has we... looked good with, with his hat choices, but... You know, I, I know what you yeah. mean. It could have been a better hat. Yeah, like, be like, precise, please. Uh, but, okay, Peaches, the question uh, specifically, it, it's not who you rate. It's do you think we have all three of these guys <laughs> on the roster? By well, the I mean, that's the, the thing, though. Like, I think because, I, like, the way that I rate uh, David Jensen is why I see him, like, as more expendable. Um, you know, like, I think he might go down, I don't know, like... Um, he might go out for a loan like we did for Jorgensen at some point. Perfect. Like okay. That. This is the team. lightning round, so we're moving on. Light- uh, yes. Oh, I, I forgot. <laughs> we, we took a we took a uh, pause when recording, so I forgot. Um. Yeah. Uh, Cornell. Cornell's going to be the starter. I think he looks. You know, everything looks like he's going to be a huge upgrade. We have a new goalkeeping coach who would have signed off on, on getting him, I would imagine. So he's looks like he's going to be good. And um, yeah, it, it doesn't look good for Jensen. I don't know what they're, what sort of scheme they're going to pull up to get him off the roster, but I don't think that's long for this world. Yeah. Very weird. Maybe I, I think I agree. I, you know, might as well keep Mara around to be the guy that says sup dude. Cause he's really good at that. And like, yeah, z- no, he's zero irony from me yeah. here. Zero irony that that is a, that is a clubhouse role. A key role. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So this is like the, the, the prop bet kind of silly section. So who, who is going to get more minutes between these guys? We've got a couple of pairings here. First pairing. Amro Tarek or Mandela Edbo, who gets more minutes this season? Cork. Uh, Amro. Peaches. I'm going to go with Edbo, actually. All right. Sam. Amro. I'm going to go with Amro as well. No, I'm going to go with Edbo. Sorry. Going with Edbo. Um, Barlow or White? Sam. Barlow. Peaches. White, surprisingly, at the end of the season. Okay. Cork. Uh, Barlow. Okay, I'm going to go Barlow as well. Despite White getting the start last week. Uh, Omir Fernandez or Cameron Harper? Peaches. Uh, Harper. Cork. I'll say Harper too, though. I think Omir has a good chance of being a, getting some dark horse big minutes. Yeah. Sam. Harper. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna have to go with Harper too. Okay. Kyle Duncan or Tom Edwards? Maybe, maybe the most confusing and madness-inducing selection on the sheet. Uh, Cork. I'm going to say Edwards. Um, and it could be a huge disaster, but they didn't bring him off over for no reason. Mm-hmm. Peaches. 
I'm gonna go with Edwards as well. Sam? Mm, Duncan. <clears throat> I'm gonna go Duncan just because I, I can't keep betting against the house. I'm I'm down bad and I, I can't <laughs> I can't tempt fate here. Okay, next question. Peaches, will you uh, okay, what week of the season will Peaches get his money's worth on his soda cup? Can you remind us how much how much it costs? Forty dollars? Forty dollars, right? right? Okay, forty dollars. Yeah. I will be tracking <laughs> the cost of soda that you would have gotten each time individually, and and keeping it tabulated in a spreadsheet next to all my tabulations of all the allocation money. At what week will you recover your costs? I'm going to say week, week 13 of MLS. Week 13 of MLS. Okay. And and for consistency's sake, we'll say that that is just week 13 of the schedule, not the 13th uh, like home match, if that makes sense. Right. Okay. Right, right, yeah. right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Whoa, wait, wait. Actually, Actually no, you're just qualified. You, can, you, can, you can't bet because like, you, you've controlled yeah. this. <laughs> I'm going to be the most loyal season ticket holder in this season. <laughs> All right. Uh, Sam, when is Peaches getting his money's worth back on, on this soda cup? So I, I think you're going to get like three sodas a game. Um, <laughs> and you're just going to, you're going to, you're going to have to pee so many times. I feel like the ride back on the path train is just going to be the funniest thing in the world mm-hmm. because you're going to be so squeamish and uncomfortable, but it's a matter of pride. You'll still be sipping your third soda <laughs> out of on your the cup. way on the, on the yeah. path train while and I'm so just like, like speaking. How much is that? How much is this? How much is like a soda like supposed to actually cost? I think it's like, like $6. $6 yeah. Oh yeah. my God. You're, you're going to get that in like three games, four games. <laughs> but here's the thing. Like we can't do it by, by each one because we have to include the, if I get multiple, we have to do the count for the free refill soda. Oh, there's a free oh, refill. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, there's there's too many. There's too uh, many variables. There's a lot of variables going on here. Okay. All right. Well then I guess I have to like double my estimate uh, or not double. I guess one and a half times uh, nine, nine games, uh, whenever nine home games, whenever that is. Okay. We'll have that. We'll, we'll interpret that whenever that is. Sorry. Equals eight, 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 eight home games. games. All right, Cork, when is yeah. pitches going to get his money's worth? Uh, I think the time frame that he's going to get his money worth is going to be impacted by him selling third party rights to the economic uh revenue of his soda cup <laughs> yeah. to a Serie A club um at oh some yeah point. by the, the way it's announcement. It's a sudden option. announcement um i'm now selling nfts for my soda cup oh my God. exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's gonna be the guy in 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 the big short who who has the office in jersey city <laughs> who sells the cdos for the for the best in wall street but it's all for your cup it's going to be, there's yeah, going to be a cutaway exactly. explainer that Selena Gomez and a Harvard professor are talking about, see Peaches a soda cup there. What if it were filled <laughs> up halfway? I'll bet you. <laughs> That's what this podcast is going to be this season. We're going to get Selena Gomez to reproduce that. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I, I agree with Sam. I think it brought, I think Peaches one week is even going to get three refills once because he's going to have two and he's going to realize, wait a second. That's just what I would have had normally. And he's going to get a third. And this is going to make it so six home matches in, he will have gotten his money's worth for his soda cup. I do hope that wow. we get there, though. I really thought you were going to say six and- matches in. I was going to pee my pants. but <laughs> <laughs> Less. If that, We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So our next episode, our guest will be an incontinence doctor. <laughs> 
Which, uh, this should, that should have been the last question because this last one's actually a real one. Uh, well, that's actually very real, don't doubt. Uh, but which <laughs> loans of ours get either like extended slash bought? So the options are Fabio, Andrew Gutman, Diara, Coronel, and then Edwards. Edwards is, does not have a buy a purchase clause in his loan. So if we purchased him, we would be, you know, negotiating entirely anew to transfer him over from Stoke. But among those guys, uh, which ones do you think stay around? Uh, Cork. I think that uh, Fabio will, Fabio's 13, lucky 13 goals will get him a permanent contract. I think Goodman is a guy who we jumped through enough hoops and will be good enough and will be kind of an afterthought enough for Atlanta that we'll get him back. And then um, Diara and Coronel are kind of confusing. Not sure what's going to happen there. I would bet against them coming back. And then Edwards, for the reason you just said, Britt, um, would probably require a heavy negotiation with Stoke. But then again, like I said with uh, Goodman, I think Stoke will maybe have moved on and forgotten about him by the time you know they'll they'll be shaking some money out of us. So maybe that'll be relatively easy. So I'll say yes on bringing Edwards back if he's a success. Oh, okay. Uh, Sam. Yeah, I think all, <clears throat> uh, Fabio, yes. Gutman, I think um, po- probably. Um, although I could see this being a thing where he has a great season and then Atlanta just, you know, is you know, take takes him um, back or is is very frustrating to deal with in terms of the transfer. Um, I don't know about Diara. I don't think we're, we would keep him. I think Cornell and Edwards. Um, I think we we would keep both. Um, uh, I have more question marks with Edwards, especially since I picked Duncan in the previous round. So I don't know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about, but I would say Fabio Gutman, uh, Coronel, maybe Edwards. Peaches. Um, I would, you know, I would say that here, here I'm going to say this. I think Fabio might, um, as much as I'm putting all of my hopes and faith in him, faith in him he might just like, <laughs> peter out and uh, we don't sign him he doesn't look that great but keep in um, mind his loan is through like july so exactly the the okay so you think he's gone even by then well that, that's what i'm saying it's like if we know like if he he's doesn't look good immediately then well i i know i know like we're not doing okay. coherent fucking predictions here are we <laughs> um only for but, you um, i, I like, expect I, now that we've yeah. talked about the accounting for your soda cup, this shit got real, and I expect only the highest <laughs> amount of detail. But no, no, I, I'm saying that there's like a big flight risk of Fabio leaving. Um, so, like, <laughs> I do um, think he, I do think he has the highest like expected Andreas Ivan activity yeah. um, levels <laughs> of, of anybody in the of anybody in the squad this X year. So that'll be stats. fun to watch. His, his ex Ivans are are pretty, are pretty <laughs> noteworthy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, I think Fabio is like the most likely to not get his loan either extended or bought. Um, but Ooh, I, yeah. I think we will buy him. I'm hopeful that we'll buy yeah. him. That's that's where my th- take is. Gutman, um, sure. I think I think we need h- him on the team. Uh, Diara, we just don't have a good track record with uh, Salzburg loans. Um, I, I think this is similar to a lot of mm-hmm. uh, other Salzburg loans we've had historically, um, and it might not work out. So I'm not young. Really putting my hopes on that. But yeah, okay. 
Yeah, but like his injuries are like pretty bad. Uh, Coronel, you know how I feel about Coronel. I, I hope we keep him forever. Um, and Edwards, um, I don't know. I think I did. I did not know that's how you felt about yeah. Cornell, but glad I do now. Well, now you do. This episode is yeah, revealed that I'm a Cornell yeah. stand. Update the yeah, sheets. Um, Update the fan wiki. Uh, yeah, the, the the profile, the character profile. Mm-hmm. Uh, the and I think Edwards. Um, you know, I think we'll try to negotiate for him, but it might just not turn out. But um, I'll, I think we'll try. Okay. I, I think, think Stoke will. I think Stoke will have churned through like three managers by the time we have to negotiate <laughs> for Edwards. So it's yeah. a good bet. I think Fabio, yes. Gutman, yes. If we pay, if we're willing to pay Cincinnati a million dollars for Amaya, I think maybe we'll we'll just throw money at Atlanta. Um, Coronel, I will say, depends on Salzburg, which is out of my wheelhouse. I don't know. I think if if Salzburg for some reason has a, a it like has a goalkeeper logjam forever. Maybe we get to loan. So Cornell's the most likely for me that we get like another year loan for him. And we might not know that until like mm, next yeah. January, which is annoying. I have to say, right. you know, I, I'm not anti the Red Bull, obviously, but like I will admit I would prefer to have a permanent goalkeeper on the squad. Um, cool. That yeah. ends our, our lightning round. And then now we've just got us to round us out in those last five minutes here. Some questions, and we've actually hit a couple of these sort of in in the course of discussing it already. Um, so maybe we can just use it as an opportunity to summarize those punches. So we we talked about we talked addressed Ed's question about you know how long do we give time for the new system. Then we've got a series of questions from Alexander Zinopoulos who. Uh, actually wrote up a, a, a preseason review of the Red Bulls for American Soccer Analysis that I encourage everyone to check out. Um, he has two questions that I think mm-hmm. cover Very some good. grounds we discussed. Yeah. The first is, can you discuss how the diamond would need to work if the base of the diamond is meant to be more distributive? And then his follow-up is, also, if Struber is deploying wingers as shuttlers, could that mean we have a more off-balance lineup? Obvious, obviously speculative based on that one friendly. Um, so I think, I think, Corey, yeah, I, like I think you, you gave um, a pretty good detail. Yeah. I feel like you gave a detailed answer to the first part, right? About the, the distribution of the diamond. Um, but right. the, the off-balance point might be, it might be something new. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty clear. I mean, even just yesterday, you had um, Caceres um, as more than likely a more kind of defensive pin back player, while Velo is more of an a more of an attacker. So I think right there um, is an example that yeah, I think there will be some some lack of balance. But um, I think a lot of that it's all going to be kind of a domino effect from from how you have your forwards laid out, from how you have your fullbacks laid out. I mean, Struber's a guy who has had. You know, we touched on it in some of the stuff that we've written on Once a Metro um, uh, last year when we were analyzing Struber that he's had uh, – he's kind of particular about which foot each of his strikers use and that he's mm-hmm. not just kind of like arbitrarily throwing strikers out there. It's They're actually kind of set to complement each other down to, you know, which foot each other uses. So I think it's all going to be kind of a domino effect from that Um you know, as far as how the balance does take shape. But I do think that, yeah, there is going to be, you know, some different kind of balance. I mean, part of the thing about a diamond fourth four, four, two is that basically the, the 10 in the middle can be deployed as either kind of a 
a passer or a playmaker who's definitely a midfielder, or he can be as kind of like a false nine inverted forward, in which case the four four two diamond looks almost more like a four three three, where the two strikers are basically as wingers. So there's a lot of different ways it could take shape based on the personnel you use, and I think that's something we'll have to unfortunately wait to see actual games played to figure out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, like, does it seem like um, Struber might be in a position where, given the amount of depth that's on this team and the amount of uh, players we have in, in certain positions, that we could, um, I don't know, like see a different look week to week uh, based on who our opponents are or something like that? Yeah, he's kind of hinted at some of that um, in, in some of some of the press conferences and just hinted also, like what I just said, as far as, um, you know, deploying personnel in different places will dictate tactics almost more than than a you know lineup equation so um yeah it'll be it'll be interesting it'll definitely be interesting to see how that plays out over the course of the year that could be a good segue into our next question from a uh richard ephraim at (laughs) hotmail.com subject line global partnership incorporated of new jersey colon cease and desist (laughs) don't know what that's about (laughs) i'll uh, forward that to my lawyer uh See if see if I can get him on retainer for that. Uh, Richard, <laughs> if that is your real name, and asks, uh, where does Royer fit into this the, into the team this year, and whose starting position is most under threat by Frankie Amaya? Which I, I think the second one we've we've talked a bit about for Frankie. So the Royer question is is mm-hmm. I think the the fresher mm-hmm. one. We talked about this a little bit last week too, right? In in terms of like him being that second striker uh, role, top. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. And he did he he did come on for Brian White yesterday as one of the the forward players and played with with Fabio for a little bit, obviously leading up to that little penalty discussion. But uh yeah, I think I think that's pretty good little hint there that Royer, as we sort of expected, might be more of a forward player the way this team was gonna be set up. But like I just said a minute ago, where, you know, that that uh that ten midfielder you know, at the top of the diamond could also be more of a penetrator. And maybe we see Royer get used there in some games. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's outside the realm of realm of possibility. Yeah. I just and, love and how many big boy strikers we have. That's true. With, we with have the so many options year, to put big boys on the top. We have, uh, we have a lot of two game week weeks this year. So that, that could right, right. relieve some of this game day weeks rather. Um, if Klimala yeah. happens, I would suspect Royer's maybe more of a um, super sub, maybe. But that also sounds like something right. that sounds like the exact kind of thing I would be extremely wrong about. So I'm just going to flag that now. <laughs> uh, all right, our final question, and I think our most our most you know important question of all is from uh, Pat Haddad, um, loyal listener and, and podcast rival on off the perch uh he says hello view from 202 oh and his subject for this was just no uh hello (laughs) view from 202 pat here longtime listener first time writer anyway period you're walking around the center of ascoli picciano in marca at which as we all know is new jersey's sister region on the boot by which pat means italy uh which is a microaggression for me because i was oh wait no Fuck, that's the one I said. Damn it, Pat has owned me. That's actually the thing that I was saying in our conversation. Damn it, I let him own me on my own podcast. I got confused. 
I can never listen to this. I'll edit Get it out. Over. Don't worry. He says, uh, you're wearing some kind of Red Bull New York gear, as you do on most days, but no one says anything to you about it. What do you do? W-D-Y-D in this situation. Well, Pat, I can tell you what I do is that uh, I'm I'm going to wander around on uh, my bicycle in the old Italian uh, square and wander over to the lake where I... I then unearth uh, with my professor a perfect gleaming marble statuette that uh, ends up being, could that be a, tor- a, a Taurus, a Taurine figure? It's a perfect Roman marble statue of a bull's head, counting what it looks like, a little sack of Roman denarii. And it almost looks like it's smiling. Uh, and it doesn't matter that no one says anything to me about my Red Bulls gear because I've got this statue with me, and uh, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to fuck a peach. Not peaches, um, a peach, a literal peach fruit. Right, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. That's an original um, tale that I made up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I think uh, Timothy Chalamet would look really good in that. Oh, is that that, like, um, that, like... Guy in Alex Wing's entourage, yeah, and, and his <laughs> oh, yeah, soldier boy dance, yeah, with him. Um, my answer to this is I would um, immediately uh, call my account manager at the New York Times um, and relay this tale and complain that this wouldn't have happened if they had box scores <laughs> on the New York Times Sunday edition. That's so true. I'm always saying this. <laughs> well, I. Yeah, I'm doing. I'm just doing what Britt did. I uh, I officially can't wear Red Bulls gear anymore because I have to be a neutral man of the pen. So, uh, well, man of the pen. I don't know. It's just it's a moot. It's a moot point for me now. I, I nobody nobody is allowed to know my my true uh, identity as. I thought you were going to say you can't wear Red Bull gear because you would get confused for Andrew Gutman. And impersonating a soccer player is a federal offense. That's right, and it's it's second only to impersonating a soccer manager. And right. if I if I followed through on my plan to get GS on my track jacket, I would mm-hmm. be getting pulled over by the New Jersey State Troopers on. A and in, in this basis. circumstance, you'd be getting pulled over by Interpol. That too, yeah. yeah. No, it's just way too many, way too many headaches for me and my uh, my lawyers who are already busy with Richard Efren. Um, so, yeah, profound problem. Well, thank you for the question, Pat, um, and thank you for your season desist letter, Richard Efren. Richard, uh, that's that's a wrap for our preseason episode this week. I mean, we didn't talk about sporting Kansas City because who gives a fuck? Like, really? It's it's the end of the episode. It's all it's whatever. The, it's the same guys. It's the same guys. Yeah. It's the guys from the thing. You know, whatever. Isn't Beasler not there anymore? I don't know. Whatever. I, res- I resent bringing whatever. it up at all. We no, will be able to yeah. talk about things in detail on match level detail next week in recording. Otherwise, keep an eye out for any written takes or written previews on onceametro.com up to the match this weekend. If you're going to the match, have fun, you know, get vaccinated, wear a mask, all that good business. But we're, we're, we're slowly coming back, slowly coming back to soccer, everyone. Till then. Hey, Charlie!